Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts this morning? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, Lord, may they be found acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, lots have happened so far this morning, um, but I wonder, does anybody remember what the title of the sermon is? You are what you eat. Oh, good. And have most of you have heard that phrase before, besides me saying it earlier in worship. How many of you have ever said that to a kid or had that said to you by a parent? I remember when I was a kid, and actually still today, I used to love my mom's brownies, right? Loved them. They were amazing, except for the nasty, crusty edge around the edge that nobody should ever eat because it's not the good part. But I used to like just the center of the brownie pan, and, and what I used to do is I used to take a brownie, and, and I'm sure many of you used to do this too, but I would take it, I would compress it into this little tiny brownie ball dense blob in my hand. And if I did it in one hand, it would be the shape of a football. But I would pop the whole thing in my mouth, or, or I would just gnaw on it until I got brownie all over my face and clothes. My mom loved that. Um, but I loved brownies. I still do, confession. She used to say things like, Tim, if you keep eating brownies like that, you're going to become one. I thought there are worse things in life. You are what you eat. I wonder, have you ever thought about what if that were true? What if we actually became what we ate? I started thinking about this for myself, and I decided that this is what I might look like if I became what I ate most. Confession time. I have an unhealthy relationship with chicken wings. Macaroni and cheese with a good smoked meat, multiple kinds of cheese, thick cut smoked bacon along with it, maybe a little bit of onion chives, you know, I'm, nothing better on this side of heaven for me. Did you know that popcorn can be a meal in and of itself? Not just butter and salt, ranch powder, cheese, caramel, it's dinner, it's dessert, and often when Aaron's gone, it is in my house. <laughs> You are what you eat. All right, so here's my question for you. What would you be? What would you be? Take just a moment and turn to the person on your right and then to the person on your left and tell them that what you would be if you became what you ate today. Share. I thought it would be fun to ask our confirmands what they would become if they became what they ate. And so um, this is what some of our confirmation folks would become. Uh, maybe this is you. Maybe you would be cinnamon rolls or a cheeseburger. Actually, that looks like, no, it's a cheeseburger. Tacos, French toast, fettuccine Alfredo. It's got to be with shrimp for me, not chicken. I'm sorry. Um, chicken nuggets. Does this re uh, resonate with anyone in here besides me? Is this anybody else? Some of you? Yeah. You are what you eat. What I think is most interesting is that the thing that we eat most frequently in the church, the one thing that stands as our most foundational meal, the thing that we define ourselves by, is not included in this list. How many of you, when you were talking about what you would become if you ate, chose this? The body, the bread, the blood, the juice, the elements of Holy Communion. 
You see, when we strip back our faith all the way to its core, we're left with a simple thing, this foundational belief, this foundational meal that we Christians eat most, the bread and the juice, the bread of life, the cup of salvation. If we truly were to become what we eat, this is what we would become as people of faith. Isn't it interesting? Well, I should ask first. Did anybody say that? Extra credit points. No. It's okay. It's okay. Because stay with me for a moment. Stay with me for a moment. Because our purpose here in worship as the people of faith is to become what we eat. So in communion, um, we're going to share in communion later in the service today. Um, There's a prayer that we always say, and when I say me, I I mean that whether Pastor Rod or I am presiding over the sacrament of communion, we always say a prayer or a a version of a prayer, and it's called the epiclesis. It's your seminary word of the day. Everyone say epiclesis. Epiclesis. Epiclesis is a word that you'll never use again in your life. But it basically means calling upon. And it's a prayer that we pray over the elements, and it goes something like this. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. That's the epiclesis. But I want you to think about what it's actually saying. It's saying, let it be for us. Let these simple things, these simple elements, bread and and grape juice, let them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that... We can be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. You are what you eat. That's the goal. As we take communion to experience Christ and have Christ work in us in a way that now we become Christ for the world around us. You are what you eat. So my dad has a saying, or had a saying when I was younger. Um, It went like this, garbage in, garbage in. Out. Some of you had fathers like mine. Now, what he meant when he was saying that was that we have to be careful with what we put into our hearts. While he was speaking specifically of Metallica, I believe, I believe that his words hold a profounder truth in our life of faith. The way that I've come to interpret my, my father's words is that that which you consume, you reproduce. That what you consume, you reproduce. Not what you physically eat, but what you bring into your heart. So Jesus talks about this in Matthew 15 for a little bit. And in Matthew 15, he's, he's teaching about purity. And, and this is what's recounted in verse 10. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. And then later in verse 15, Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us this parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet, Jesus asks? Anything you eat passes through your stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. We are what we eat. Not that we become what we physically consume, but Jesus says that it is that which comes out of our hearts that defiles us, and that which comes out of our hearts is a byproduct of that which we put into our hearts. 
that which goes in, that which we consume spiritually, is what we become. And our world offers us a virtual spiritual smorgasbord of things to consume into our hearts. Fear, alienation, narcissism, pessimism, elitism, materialism, consumerism, pride, envy, lust, immorality, indifference, or apathy. We are fed all of these things, not just through social media, not just by our culture, but from our peer groups as well. And if we're not careful, we will become that which we consume, and our spiritual disposition will change. And the tempter, or the accuser, or the adversary, or the enemy, or the wicked one, or Satan, or the devil, or whatever name you want to call him, wins your heart. But this is not, this is not, does not have to be our destination, because that which we spiritually consume by the grace of God, we can become. We can become. Turn to the person to your right and tell them you're becoming something. Okay, we'll try it again. Turn to the person on your right and tell them you're becoming something. Now turn to the person on your left and tell them they're becoming something. The question is, what are you becoming? The question is, what are you becoming? And the answer to that question is directly related to the answer of, your, of this question. What are you feeding your heart? What are you feeding your spirit? What are you spiritually consuming? So I'm going to take just a minute to go into a spiritual meal that we must continually digest. And that spiritual meal you've all heard of before, and many of you have already been deeply committed to it, but that is feasting on God's Word. So after Moses died, Moses passed on to the other side of eternity. And when he did, Joshua became the new leader. And in, in Joshua, we find this calling of, that God gives to Joshua, and in it, it says this. God says to Joshua, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be, able, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. So John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist movement, he understood that there were specific ways in which we experience the grace of God. Certain things that we do and participate in that confirm and strengthen and grow our faith. Things that influence our heart and develop us from the inside out. Experiences where God, through the sustaining presence of the Holy Spirit, works within us. And some of those works of piety are communal, like baptism and communion. But others are individual, things that we do on our own, these individual means of grace. And one of those means of grace, Wesley called Searching the Scriptures. I brought a couple of books to share with you today because I love to read. But one of the books that I wanted to share is called Shaped by the Word. And, Word. and in, the, in it, Robert Mulholland, the, the author, discusses the variety of ways in which we can read the Bible. And the primary thesis of the book is that, is that if we are going to be moved by the Spirit, to be changed by God's Word, we have to read the Bible formationally, meaning that we have to read the Bible and allow it to change our spirit. 
He says that, um, he explains that many read the Bible informationally, meaning we take the Bible and we learn the information that it has to offer. I mean, that's what we learn in school, right? You read it, what are the names, the dates, the facts? What is the information that it has for us to learn? And that's an important part of our faith development. We need to know what this book says informationally. I believe that everyone should read the Bible informationally multiple times in their life in its entirety. But reading for information is not the same as opening yourself to the Spirit of God as you read the Bible. It's a different thing. One of the dangers that we experience as people of faith when we informationally read the Bible is that we go to the text and we try to have the text um, prove our point or our opinion. We do this. We go, hey, Siri. Good job. Hey, Siri, look up a verse about this. Hey, Google, look up a verse on this. And we say, okay, what does it say? And we read two or three verses out of context, and we make our decision. Now, you may be saying, what is, what's wrong with that, Tim? And maybe nothing, but maybe everything, because here's the deal. If you make a decision, and then you validate it through a couple of proof-texted verses, and then you validate that decision, who's made the decision? You have, right? Deeper question did you make the decision here or here? Were you inspired by God's word or did you use it to prove your point? See, there's a difference when we let the Bible form us versus when we go to the Bible to prove our point. There's a big difference about how it works in our lives. One way forms us, the other way propagates our position. And so, we, should, we are called to read the Bible formationally as well, meaning go to the Bible with no motivation other than hearing from God, meaning that we sit before God in the Bible and we say, God, speak to me. I have no motive here other than to hear your voice today. It's a devotional reading of the Bible, an opening of our heart, our mind, and our spirit to the Spirit of God who was present with the authors. So the Spirit of God was present with the authors who wrote the Bible, but that same Spirit, the same sustaining spirit of God is present with us as we read it. And so it's a devotional reading of the Bible. In Wayne Cordero's book, The Divine Mentor, he um, goes into depth on how to read the Bible devotionally. He talks about how to open yourself and to learn from the greatest mentors that we have, the people of, in history and antiquity of the Bible and how God still speaks to us through it. And he gives a process and a plan for how to open yourself to the Bible, how to listen to God in the Bible, and how to apply it to your life. I share this book with you only for the fact that it is a foundational book in my personal faith life, as Tim, that has given me practical steps on how to better read the Bible formationally. So if this is something that interests you, pick up one of these books. They're available at the bookstore or online, wherever you buy books or Kindles or anything like that. But be intentional. Be intentional. Because we have a choice, a personal choice of what we spiritually consume. Don't let yourself be fooled. Don't let yourself be fooled. You have control over what your eyes see. You can turn off the TV. You can change the channel. You can safeguard your children from what's available on one of these cell phones or tablets. You know, you can even block 
the websites that tempt you or that could tempt your children. You have control over that. You can change the radio station. If you are tired of being worn out and overcommitted, realize that you choose to be overcommitted. You're the one who lights the candle on both sides. You make your own schedule. You choose to be overcommitted. You decide where your money goes. We decide what takes the highest priority in life. We do, individually. We choose what's going to be most important. And because of that, because we get the opportunity to choose, that means we decide, and only us, what we're going to allow into our hearts. We spiritually become that which we spiritually consume. You are what you eat. So here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to take out your cell phones. It's okay, I said it. Take out your cell phone, minimize Clash of Clans or whatever you've been playing, and open your calendar. I want you to set an appointment, a 10-minute appointment in your calendar. Just title it God. You'll know what it means when it comes up. Set the reminder so you don't miss it. Find a time where you can just devote 10 minutes. And when that appointment comes in your calendar, I want you to just take 10 minutes Spend it reading the Bible, listening to an audio Bible, or just spend it in prayer and in silence before God. And I want you to put it in your calendar right now. I want you to intentionally schedule it. And I'll tell you why. You are what you eat. If you are not intentionally growing in your faith, you are intentionally growing out of it. I'm going to say that again. If you are not intentionally growing in your faith, you are intentionally growing out of it. In Wesley's sermon, wonderfully titled, On Faith, he said, you cannot stand still. You must either rise or fall. A spiritual journey is a journey of movement. There are only two ways that you can go. You can be either progress or you can regress. You can either move forward or backwards. You can either rise or fall, but those are the two options. You are what you eat, and you are becoming something. And so the question again is, what are you becoming? And what are you feeding your heart? Will you take a moment and join me in prayer? God of all creation, God of all eternity, our sole desire is to know you more. God, you give us the strength and the courage to seek you. God, we ask that you'd let us seek you with intention in this world that tries to consume our hearts and minds with false idols and false prophets. Let us fix our eyes on you and you alone. Move in our hearts and minds. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and all who agreed said, Amen.